word from me all week long. How many of you know that a preacher gets to, to chew on his, his sermon all week long? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a little, a little bit tough, too. Uh, sometimes it strikes right to the heart, and it causes us to change. So I pray that the Word of God is going to fall on your receptive heart today, and that uh, something about you is going to change. Uh, something about you is going to want to seek the Lord a little more fervently. That something about what God's Word does for you today is going to cause you to serve Him with a little more of all your heart, you know? Um, after His resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ met a man named, at that time, Saul, who was later uh, called the Apostle Paul. And he met him on a road called Damascus. Now, I'd like to share with you a little bit of that story because in Acts chapter 9, then Saul, uh, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found any of those who were of the way, now, the way refers to Christianity, those who are following Jesus. If, any of those, if he found any of those who are of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so he saw, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? When Paul saw Jesus for the first time, mind you, he asked the two greatest questions that a human being can ask. The first question, question number one is, who are you, Lord? Question number two, what would you have me to do? For the rest of his life, the Apostle Paul spent that life discovering the answer to those two greatest questions. Who are you, Lord? And what would you have me to do? And as a result of his response to those questions, Paul became perhaps the greatest missionary this world has ever known. So I wondered, what was it that caused Saul to be transformed to Paul? What was it that caused Paul to be transformed from those who were persecuting those of the way to those who were leading the way? What was it that transformed him? What was the attitude that drove him to change so much? What was the motivation that urged Paul on so much? In Romans chapter 1, I discovered it. For in Romans chapter 1, three times we're going to hear Paul use the phrase, I am. I am. So if you'll turn to Romans chapter 1 there, we have three short verses, and I want you to see and hear Paul say, I am. Verse 14, Paul says, I am a debtor to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. Verse 15, so as much as is in me, 
I am. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16. For I am, say I am. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew and also for the Greek. Say I am. Paul said I am a debtor. Paul said, I am ready. Paul said, I am not ashamed. Paul says, I am. Are you? I believe Paul is asking us that question today. He's already said, I am. I'm a debtor. I'm ready. And I'm not ashamed. I believe he asked you. I believe he's asked me all week. Are you? Are you a debtor? Are you ready? Are you ashamed? My job today is clear. My job today is rather simple because all I have to do is preach the word. The rest is up to you. My job is today is to write those three I am's on your heart. To write those three I am's on your heart so that you can agree with Paul and say the same things in your own life. I am a debtor. I am ready, and I am not ashamed. If you can say those three things when I'm done, then you can be saved from what's called Sunday morning religion. Anybody ever heard of Sunday morning religion? Mm-hmm. If you can say those three things when I'm done, then you can be saved from what's called lukewarm Christianity. Anybody ever heard of lukewarm Christianity? Mm-hmm. If you can say those three things when I'm done, this message will be a success. If it does not, then I will be a failure before you today. First of all, I want you to know that these three I am's will cause you to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. Not just Brother Bill. Be the kind of person that God Wants you to be. First of all, I want you to see that Paul was faithful to the obligations of the gospel. Remember verse 14? I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. You see, Paul felt obligated. He felt obligated. He felt like he was a debtor. He said, I am a debtor. Now what in the world does that mean? To what or to whom was Paul in debt? Well, let me tell you how Paul felt that he was a debtor. He'd be the first one to tell you that Paul was in debt to Christ Jesus. If you'll go back to verse 1 in Romans chapter 1, you'll see that Paul writes, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated from the gospel of God. You see, Paul saw himself as a slave. Paul saw himself as a bond slave to the one who died for him on a cross much like that one. He saw himself as a bond servant. So the, my question is for you this morning, has Jesus died for you? That's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you. Has Jesus died for you? Is there anyone here whom Jesus has not died for? Raise your hand. Can I tell you you're right? 
You're exactly right. By his blood, Jesus Christ died for you. He bought you with the blood that he shed on that cross. He even said it. Paul later said to the Corinthians, he said, you are not your own. He's speaking to believers. You're no longer your own. You don't belong to you. Amen? You were bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You don't belong to you. You belong to him. And Paul felt as though he was in debt to Christ. Because Christ paid by his blood. Can I ask you, do you? Do you feel in debt at all to what Jesus did for you? We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. That The moment you begin to understand. The moment it clicks in your head. And you begin to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. That's the very moment that you begin to grow in your Christianity. Grow out of that lukewarm Christianity. Begin to grow out of that Sunday morning religion. But you've got to understand that Jesus bought you with the precious blood he shed on that cross. You are not your own. The salvation that Christ died to give you, it was free to you, but it cost him greatly. He suffered and died and bled. Don't you feel like you owe him just a little bit? Don't you feel like you owe him just a little? Don't you feel like maybe you are a debtor to Christ? I mean, after all, he, he died to give you eternal life. He didn't have to. He chose to. Shouldn't we serve him with this vapor of a life that we have? Being that he has died to give us eternal life? Paul saw himself as a debtor, first of all, to Christ. But Paul also saw himself indebted to his fellow Christians. See, Paul knew that he stood on the shoulders of those who had gone long before him. He knew. In verse 8 there, notice it. In verse 8 he says, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith has been spoken of through the entire world. You see, Paul realized there were other people involved, others who had suffered and died and bled, that he might know Jesus Christ. Do you remember who introduced you to Jesus? Do you remember who introduced you to Jesus? Paul knew that there was one thing, one thing, that, or one person rather, that, that brought this, this apostle to faith in Christ. And that one thing was when he was still Saul and he watched a man die for his faith. He watched Stephen being stoned to death because he would not renounce Jesus Christ. Paul, the Bible says that he sat there holding the coats of those who were stoning him, stoning Stephen. See, Stephen suffered and died and bled as a testimony for Paul. You know, we sit here in this beautiful building. We sit here and we enjoy this very fellowship. But it all happened 
through the indebtedness of countless other Christians that came long before us in the hundred years this church has been here. They were indebted to one another and they were indebted to you. And so therefore you sit in a pew that was paid for and maybe even built by a Christian who came before you. I mean, who provided that seat you're sitting on? Who provided the lights that are shining down on you? I mean, who put the carpet that's beneath your feet? I mean, who installed the sound system you now hear? Who was it that erected these walls and this ceiling? Who was it? You owe them. We owe them. We are debtors not only to Christ, but also to our fellow Christians. But Paul also saw himself as a debtor to his community. There, Paul also saw him to, uh, as a debtor to those who are around him. Did you see it there in verse 14? He said, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. Now, you need to know who the Greeks and barbarians were, okay? The Greeks were the up and ups. The barbarians were the down and outs. The Greeks were the high class. The barbarians were the hated class. The Greeks, they were the cultured. Paul said, I'm a debtor to the cultured. But Paul also said, I'm a debtor to the crude. Paul said, I'm a debtor to the intelligent and I'm a debtor to the ignorant. I'm a debtor to those around me. Men and women all around this building need the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know who's got the message? You do. People all around this community need the message and you got it. I mean, suppose for a second if the governor of Alabama gave you a call. Anybody heard from him lately? No, me neither. But suppose that the governor of Alabama called you and he gave you the pardon of a man who was about to be electrocuted. And he said, I want you to deliver that pardon. He said, I'm going to give you the honor of taking this pardon to the warden of the prison. And now he will see that this man is set free. So you say, okay. You take the pardon and you put it in your shirt pocket. And then you begin to say, okay, I'll deliver that pardon. But on your way home, you say, well, i got to stop and do a little shopping. Meanwhile, you finally make it home, but you see, well, the grass needs mowing. Amen? And after your grass is done getting mowed, you say, whew, I think I need a round of golf. And then after that round of golf, the wife comes up and says, honey, it's time for a family vacation. Let's go down to the condo and go shores. Amen? You get back from Gulf Shores and you pick up the newspaper and you see that that man has been put to death and you had the pardon in your pocket. How would you feel? You had the pardon in your pocket. You just didn't take the message to him who needed the pardon. I'm telling you this morning that there are souls dropping into hell every day and you and I have the message that a pardon is available. 
How will you feel? When you meet the Lord Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, how many of you know that even the Christians are going to be judged? Amen? Not for whether or not you're going to, to heaven or not, but you're going to be judged based on your works. You're going to be judged to see if you've been obedient. God's going to judge your works. So what if you get before the Lord Jesus and you bow down in judgment and you failed to give that life-giving party? How are you going to feel? How are you going to feel? Paul knew he was a debtor to those around him. Not only did Paul see himself as a debtor, not only was Paul faithful to the obligations of the gospel, I want you to watch this now. Because Paul was also flexible to the opportunities of the gospel. Do you know what the problem is with most of us today? Oop. Besides greasy fingers. You know what the problem is with most of us today? Nod your head. Say, no, I don't know what's wrong with me. Amen? I don't know what's wrong with you either. The biggest problem we have is that we're not flexible. We're not flexible. If God were to speak to you right now, you ain't ready to roll. If God were to speak to you right now, we're just not ready to roll. We're not ready to do what he's told us to do. For example, suppose there's one of you out there who, who owns this growing business. Man, you rake it in the box, amen? Everybody like that? And you, business is growing, business is good, you're raking in the bucks, everything's running smoothly, and then God steps into your life, and he says, sell that business, I'm calling you into the mission field. What are you going to do? Do you want me to answer for you? Remember, I cheat on this all week. But I can recall a time when I made in excess of $90,000 selling transmission parts. And after a year of saying, sorry, Lord, not me, I finally said, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go into the mission field. It's a bold call, but it wasn't one that I made. It's one that Jesus made. Could God step into your life and say, sell that business, stop what you're doing, go into the mission field if he tells you to do that? Are you flexible enough that God can interrupt your so-called plans and totally change the course of your life as you now know it? Could you do that? The question is, are you ready to hear God speak? Are you ready to hear God speak to you? That's a big question, isn't it? It's huge. When he does ask you, will you tell him, Lord, I got my plans. I got plans. In verse 15, Paul said, as much as is in me, as much as is in me, you know what that means? That means not half-heartedly, but with everything I got. You know, I've heard a lot of people say over the years, you know, I would die for Jesus. But I want to tell you, God wants you to live for Jesus. 
not just die for Jesus. So would you, could you say as much as is in me with all I got, I'm going to live for Jesus. I want to tell you that Paul was ready to live and he was ready to die for Christ. Paul was going to Rome and there was no friendship for those who followed Jesus in Rome. He was getting ready to preach the gospel of another Jew who had been executed there. And you know, when most people visit Rome, the first place they go is the Roman Forum. They go to the catacombs. They go to the Colosseum. But I think that if I go, I'd like to go to Rome, amen, take, take the cruise, all the fringe benefits, amen. If I go to Rome, I'm going to go to a place called the Mamertine Prison. Anybody ever heard of the Mamertine Prison? I haven't either. It's a hole in the ground, really. No windows. No outside light comes in. In fact, prisoners are lowered down into the Mamertine prison by a rope. And many believe that that's not only the prison where Paul was kept, but it's also believed that's where he was kept until he was executed. Can you hear the guard coming? Walking down the hallways, coming for Paul, and he says, Paul, it's time for you to go. Let's go. Paul says, I'm ready. I am ready. And the guard says, well, aren't you a little afraid? Paul says, no, I die daily. I am ready. And there he goes. The greatest Christian who ever lived. Moments, moments before they would cut off his head. Before you die, Paul, you got any last words? He says, yeah, you better believe it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Paul said, I am ready. I am ready to live for Christ Jesus with as much as is in me. But I'm also ready to die for Christ should he call me to. I'm going to Rome to preach that Jesus is Lord. And I know when I get there, it may cost me my life, but I am ready. I am ready to tell other people about their Savior. Now, in verse 13, if you'll go back there, you'll see that Paul wrote, Often I planned to come to you. He was planning this trip to Rome for quite a while, you see. He said, I've been preparing to come. It's my purpose to go to Rome. I want to go to Rome. I'm ready to go. Paul asks you today, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go into a hostile environment and tell people about Jesus? If the Lord tells you, are you ready to go across the way, even around the world, to tell people about this man called Jesus who can guarantee you your place in heaven? Are you ready to go? There's a man named David, David Livingston, one of the greatest missionaries who ever lived, and he prayed this short prayer. He said, Lord, send me where you will, 
just go with me. He said, lay any burden on my heart, just sustain me. He said, sever any tie, but the tie that binds me to you. Paul was ready. He was ready to live for Christ, ready to die for Christ. He was ready to go and preach Christ. But he was also ready to stay. For you see in verse 13, he said, I planned to come to you, but I was hindered up until now. See, God had put things into place to make him stay. Sometimes God says go. Sometimes God says stay. Sometimes God says go into the mission field. Sometimes he says stay right here at Bethel. Am I right? And sometimes it's harder to stay than it is to go. But God's will is always the best will, amen? Paul was faithful to the obligations of the gospel. He was flexible to the opportunities of the gospel. But finally, Paul was also fearless to the opposition there was to the gospel. Remember, Paul's going to mighty Rome. The iron legion of the world at that time is going to preach the message of another publicly executed Jew. Paul knows they're going to laugh at him. Paul knows they're going to mock him. They're going to ridicule him. They know they're going to persecute him. They probably even knows they're going to execute him. But he would say, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. Let me ask you, where you work, think about where you work right now. Where you work, whether it be at the office, at the bank, at the factory, at the doctor's office, where you work, wherever it is, are you ashamed of Jesus? At lunchtime, when everybody else plows into their lunch, are you the one that takes a moment to thank God for the blessings of that meal? Just like you know there's opposition to those who watch you at lunchtime. Paul knew that he was going to face a lot of opposition in Rome. Can I tell you, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Because he wasn't ashamed of you. All the Christians of that day, they didn't have no money. They didn't have no prestige. They didn't have no power. All they had, all they needed was Jesus. And so they not only lived for Jesus... But lots of them were willing to die for Jesus. Now what did Paul mean? I'm not ashamed. What did he mean? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, Paul was not ashamed of the person of the gospel. See, the Bible says that it's the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's not the Baptist gospel. It's not the Methodist gospel. It's not the Presbyterian gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you never need to be ashamed when it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only one gospel. Now, there is almost 7 billion people in the world today. 60 billion have lived through the course of history thus far. And 50,000 are being added to the world's population every day. But I'm telling you that there's only one person that stands out above and beyond those who have ever lived. Above and beyond those who were ever lived. And his name is Jesus Christ. I tell you that there's not a moment in time when millions of people aren't studying what he said. Not a moment 
when millions are trying to follow his perfect example. It's constant. One man. Is Jesus your hero? Is Jesus your friend? Is Jesus your captain? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of he who stepped out of the glory of heaven, come, suffered and died and bled for me. No, I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel. But Paul also said, I'm not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. What is the purpose of the gospel? To save you. Salvation. You see, men and women need more than just soap and soup. Amen? We need more than just to be fed and to be cleaned. Man, we need a Savior. We need to be saved. We need to be rescued. We need to be redeemed. We need to be reconciled with God. Jesus didn't come as a healer. He didn't come as some philosopher. He didn't come as just a teacher. The Bible said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I can't speak for you, but I was lost. Lost as a goose. So if you want an adventure, you want an adventure, if you want to be a part of something in your life that really matters, that has eternal consequences, then I want you to pour your life into people being saved. Pour out your life into getting people saved. And when you come to the feet of Jesus at your judgment day, you're going to be glad, amen? You're going to be glad. Because that person that led you led to Christ is going to be right there alongside of you. That's the purpose of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Finally, the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the plan of the gospel either. What's the plan of the gospel? For everyone who believes. It's for everyone who believes. That's it. That's the plan. Now to me that's incredible. Because as human beings we compare ourselves with one another, don't we? Say yes, Brother Bill. <laughs> and we have a tendency to say, well my sin ain't near as bad as her sin. Did you see what he did? Man, is he a sinner or what? But the gospel is for everyone who believes. All the rest of the religions in the world spell their religion D-O. Do. Do this. Do that. Do this other thing. And you might be saved. But Christianity says, no, we're going to spell it D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus said, it's finished. It's done. Put your faith in where God has placed your sins on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's what the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. I believe that's the plan of the gospel to everyone who believes. You know, I wouldn't trust the best 15 minutes of my life to get me saved or to keep me saved. God's grace has been given to me because I believed in Jesus.
God's grace has been poured out to you if you will believe in Jesus. You know, everybody in this world is either saved or lost. There's no middle ground. They're either saved or they're lost. If they're lost, can I tell you they're a prospect for you? If they're saved, can I tell you they're a partner with you? I pray you will help us to make our grow outreach ministry one that we can be proud of this year. So that when you come before the, the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, those that you influenced for Christ, whether it be through your words, through your prayers, through your cards, through your hard work, whatever the case might be, they'll be there with you. And can I tell you, you'll be glad. Paul said, I'm a debtor. I'm in debt to Christ. I'm in debt to my fellow Christians. And I'm in debt to the community in which I live. He said, I am ready. I'm ready not only to live, but to live with all that is in me. I'm even willing to die for Christ. Paul also said, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the person of, of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the plan of the gospel. And I'm not ashamed of the purpose of the gospel. Paul said it three times. I am. The question for you today is are you? Are you a debtor? Are you ready? Are you ashamed? Father God, I praise you for examples like Paul. But Lord, as I read about his example, I am painfully aware that it wasn't nothing about Paul, but it was all about Jesus. Father, I pray that we compare ourselves to him and we look upon him and we realize that we're no different. That just as you call him to serve you, Lord, you call us to serve you. Just as you call, called him to be a debtor, you call us. Just as you call him to be ready, you call us to be ready. Just as you call him to not be ashamed, Lord, you call us not to be ashamed. Father, I pray that if there is one person here today that has never placed their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can know they're saved, so that they can know they'll be in heaven, Father, today would be their day. Speak to them like only you can. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about what Jesus has done for sinners just like me. Save somebody today, Lord. Save somebody today, Lord. Say it with me, church. Save somebody today, Lord. Again, save somebody today, Lord. Save somebody today, Lord. For your glory. And in that name, above all names, that matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand. Sing at Calvary. Let's stand. Let's sing.
First, we got Awanas. Awanas are special to us. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Is what Awana stands for. And those are our kids. 